So how many of you enjoyed the series so far? I know I've already asked that, but yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible, and if you really wanted to do a study and study the gifts that the wise men brought, it, it, goes, it goes as deep as you want to you wanna go. But as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ this Christmas, we wanted to bring a new series called A Thrill of Hope. Over the last three weeks, we've been looking at the three gifts of the wise men that they brought. You know, uh, many of our Christmas decorations have three wise men in the manger, but really there were probably dozens, if not hundreds of wise men that traveled miles and miles and miles to bring this, these gifts to the newborn king, to offer them to him and to worship him. Um, but we've been looking at the story of Jesus' birth, a small portion of it through the book of Matthew. And just to set it up a bit for those of you that have not been here, um, there were some wise men following the North Star that led them to Jesus. We know that there were not three, but dozens. These wise men were intelligent, wealthy, and desperate to meet the Savior of the world. So here's our theme passage. It's Matthew chapter 2, 10 through 11. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, to us, these gifts may be a little odd. Why bring these things to a baby, right? But in reality, these gifts were practical, valuable, deeply spiritual, and prophetic on not only who Jesus was, but what he would do. Gold would signify Jesus as the king of kings. Myrrh signifying Jesus as a suffering servant. Frankincense signifying Jesus as the high priest. Now, throughout this series, we've been taking a look at each of, this gifts, each of these gifts, and we'll go over gold here in a minute. But two weeks ago, we talked about frankincense representing that Jesus is our high priest. In the Old Testament, there was only one priest, the high priest, that was allowed to make a sacrifice for the people of God. This, this priest had to also make a sacrifice for his own sins, and then he would make a sacrifice for the people. And part of that would involve the altar of incense, which he would put frankincense on. In the New Testament, Jesus is our high priest, who also makes a sacrifice for the sins of all the people. But see, there was nobody worthy to sacrifice Jesus. There, there was no one worthy to sacrifice the Lamb of God. So Jesus sacrificed himself. Frankincense is a reminder that he gave up his life willingly for all mankind so that we can be free of sin and the consequences of sin. And then last week we talked about the gift of myrrh, representing Jesus being the suffering servant who was born to die for the sins of mankind. Remember, myrrh was given to Jesus. They mixed it with some vinegar and wine, and they were, it was given to Jesus while he was up on the cross. It was to uh, limit his pain. It was a painkiller. But he's like, no, no, no. I want to take all the punishment for their peace, so by, their, by my stripes they will be healed. He didn't compromise in any way. You know, even the lashings that he took in his beating, like he could have, you know, said stop at any time. He took them all. He took them all. Myrrh is also used to prepare one's body for burial. And this week, we're going to be talking about the gift of gold. Gold conducts electricity better than any other metal. Gold is precious. 
Lots of blood has been spilled for gold. Wars throughout the ages on every continent with every ethnicity. Gold is the most valuable and precious metal on the planet. Because of its scarcity and value, gold is known as the gift fit for a king. Today, I want to talk to you about the kingship of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, the message is Jesus, our king. Will you pray with me? Lord, in the next 22 minutes, I pray that you would breathe on this message. Lord, that you would give us all a greater revelation, whether we're just now getting to know you or we've been walking with you for years. You would give us a greater revelation of your kingship, your lordship. And give us the courage to submit to your will and authority in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, I want everybody to play a game with me. Get your, get your minds up. We're going to throw some pictures up, the, up on the screen, and I want you to tell me which king this is. So ready? Are we ready for the first one? Lion king. The Lion King, yes. King Kong. My, and by the way, my son, Burger King, my son used to call him Kong Kong when he was, when he was little. He'd go, oh, Kong Kong. <laughs> Do not eat here, but what is this? Burger King, okay. He's all right. All right. Stephen King. Larry King. Greatest of all time. Nat King Cole. I need some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. King of Pop. Oh, this poor guy. Bless his heart. We need to pray for Mr. Kanye. But he, but he did make a record. Jesus is king, right? Right? Okay, so this is what I want to talk to you about. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Great job. You guys are popular or unpopular culture, illiterate or literate. This is what I want to talk to you about today, Jesus as our king. He is not like any other king. He stands alone. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, it says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. Amen. Jesus holds supreme authority over the entire world. No one holds more power or authority than Jesus in the entire cosmos. Not before, not now, and not ever. Jesus has a funny way of showing himself as king. He showed it much differently than everyone thought he would. His, the Jews thought that Jesus would have been born in a palace surrounded by wealth and luxury and comfort. No one would have expected the king would be born in poverty, in a cave, next to farm animals. They didn't expect the king to be born the son of a carpenter in a no-name town called Nazareth. I mean, even Nathaniel, the disciple, said, can anything good come from Nazareth? No one predicted the king of glory and the son of God would befriend prostitutes, touch lepers, and heal the sick. Jesus went against the grain. Jesus loved those that the religious institution rejected. Jesus loved the unlovable. They never would have imagined that the king 
that would choose uneducated fishermen, a despised tax collector, a group of misfits and troublemakers to be his own disciples. But he did. No one would have ever imagined a king would forgive a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. When the law says to stone her and kill her, the king would declare a new law. He who is without sin cast the first stone. He confronted the religious and flipped tables in the temple courts. They never would have imagined that this king would have his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem on a donkey, not a Clydesdale warhorse, on a donkey, the most unepic of animals. And those who would be cheering for him were the outcast, the marginalized, the forgotten about, the overlooked. Not an audience of a king. They never would have imagined that this king would stand on trial for crimes he never committed. They never would have imagined that he would stand on trial, beaten, whipped, stripped naked, beard pulled out, hung on an instrument of torture, dying a death fit for a criminal, not a king. They never would have imagined that this king would hang on a cross, and as he hung there to die for mankind, we would spit in his face, mock him. Yet this king would ask God for mercy on our behalf the very ones that were doing wrong against him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then Jesus breathed his last breath and declared that it is finished. They never would have imagined that this same king would die a shameful death at a very young age. And as the sky turned dark and the ground began to shake, this dead king was being buried in a borrowed grave. No one would have imagined that this was the prophesied king of the scriptures, but he was. But then no one would have expected that three days later when some ladies went back to check on the body of Jesus, that there they would find an empty tomb. The king was not dead, but alive. No one would have expected a king to die and to rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. Jesus was a king like no other. Now, let me just tell you if I was king, if I was Jesus... Wouldn't be good for you, but let's just, let's just go there for a minute. If all these people were denying me, killing me, betraying me, and then I hung on a cross, first of all, I wouldn't be praying for you. I would be mad at you, right? Second of all, after I went into the tomb and three days later rose from the dead, everybody that didn't believe in me, I'd say, what's up now, sucker? You see me now? You believe me now? And then I would float above Jerusalem and say, yeah, what's up? And then I would shout or, or send the lightning bolts on everybody and fry them to death. That's if I was king. Thank God I'm not king. Thank God I'm not Jesus and that we have Jesus. But it's like it was opposite world, right? Who would have expected a king to come and do so? I don't even have a word for it. Untraditional is not, it's not even a word that describes this amazing, magnificent king. Which leaves us and the people of that day to make a decision. What do you do with a king like that? What do you do with a king like that? Well, number one, some people oppose King Jesus. They oppose him, confront him. 
Like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want him and his kingdom here. King Herod, the king of the land. Thank you for that amen. Thank you for that amen. Right king Herod, the king of the land, during the time of Jesus' ministry, strictly opposed Jesus. The Magi came. Herod was one of the first people that they met. They said, listen, we followed the North Star. We know that the king was born of a virgin. We're here to worship him and give him gifts. Do you know where he is? Like, really? There's a king? Great. Well, if you find him, bring him to me. But we all know that he didn't want to bow down, give gifts, and worship the king. He wanted to kill him. He wanted to kill the king because that king would threaten his kingdom and his kingship. Herod couldn't do, no longer do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it. He would have to submit to the will and authority of another king. He was threatened by this news and issued a decree for all children under the age of two in Bethlehem to be killed in hopes of killing King Jesus. King Herod opposed King Jesus because he was a threat. There might be some of us today that oppose King Jesus because he poses a threat to our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, what we want, when we want it, how we want it. You have an idea what you want for your life and you don't want any God to mess it up. You might oppose King Jesus operating in your life today. You know, the Bible says Jesus teaches that if we seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, everything that concerns us will be added unto us. And I have been guilty of this. I seek provision. I seek a home and business and different relationships and reputation. And I care what other people think and, or don't think about me. And I seek all these things. And by the way, oh God, look at this great life that I have. Will you bless me? Will you bless and prosper me? And I pray for all these things that I'm seeking. But that is completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. He says, seek me first, my kingdom and my righteousness, and then everything that concerns you is added unto you. Just by me seeking my own kingdom, it can be good things, but not submitted to the will and authority of God. Those things have me. I don't have those things. Those, it doesn't make those things bad. But when you seek them as your source of life and happiness and not God, they cannot deliver what he can. That is opposing Jesus. I've been guilty. Number one, we can oppose Jesus. Number two, we can dismiss King Jesus. There were some religious leaders who did something so odd that they just ignored Jesus altogether. You know people like that? It just as if God doesn't exist at all. They thought maybe, and this, this was the religious elite too, they thought maybe that if we just ignore him, maybe if we dismiss him, he'll go away. These same people would quote scripture every single week in the synagogues. They would read the minor and major prophet accounts, and they knew every T that needed to be crossed and I that was dotted about the Messiah that would come. And yet, he was five miles away, and they would not go and see him. Jesus was literally fulfilling the prophecies right before their eyes, raising the dead, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, the lepers being cleansed but they totally dismissed him. Oh, 
this is just a bunch of commotion going on over here. There's no truth to it. It's not really real. This is real. The doctrines and tradition of men have made the word of God of no effect. We can get so busy being a Christian by culture that we forget that we need to be Christians by conversion, by having an encounter with God and knowing him. I know Pastor Jarrett's heart, my heart, leadership team here. Yes, we want you to read your Bible. We want you to pray. We want you to come to church and do all those things. But if it means uh, that you don't know God and you're just doing those things to try to be good out of activity, you've missed the point. We know God, and as a result of knowing God or the fruit of knowing God, we go to church, we pay our tithes, we read our Bible, we pray. It's a big difference. Then it's effortless. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. Maybe you've had this experience. You invite somebody to church. Come with me. You'll love the people. You'll be encouraged. They have great coffee. They have awesome worship. They say, no, I'm good. I got my own community on social media. Never met in person, but they really get me. (laughs) Or you meet with a friend that's struggling in life. Say, you know, God will meet you in your pain and trouble. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. Let's pray. Let's read. Let's seek God. No, I'm good. I got a counselor on TV named Dr. Phil. I watch him all the time. In politics, we see the problems going on in our culture. Hey, let's put God first. He'll establish our ways. Let's pray for our land. It'll be healed. As it says in Chronicles, no, we'll become our own gods, make up our own truth. We'll create God in our image and likeness instead of understanding we were created in the image and likeness of God. We just see it in our culture. We're dismissing the things of God. We're dismissing the things, like he is a healer. I'm not against counseling, and I'm not against medications and things like that, but Jesus is the counselor. He is a counselor. Let's at least try him. He is the healer. Let's at least try that. Oh, we dismiss him. How about this one? Might hit home. I'm not going to forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. I know Jesus says to do that, but they don't deserve my forgiveness. Well, with all due respect, none of us deserve to be forgiven. But he gave it freely. See, Jesus doesn't want us to submit to his will and authority so that he can be big King Jesus. He wants us to submit and submitting to his will and authority to set you free. So that you can truly have the joy that Tech was talking about this morning. How about this one? No, I'm not going to love my enemies. You crazy? You don't know what they did to me. No, no, no. I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to worry all the time. I'm not going to believe the truth of God's word that he's for me and not against me. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment against me I shall condemn. This is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. No, no, I'm not going to believe those truths of the word. I'm going to believe that I have a negative future outcome and I'm going to be depressed and miserable. We dismiss Jesus and what he's trying to do in our lives. Hey, 
I'm guilty. I'm not up here preaching like I'm good, you're bad, try harder. I've done all this stuff. <laughs> right? We as a culture and society have totally dismissed King Jesus. Number one, we can respond by opposing him. Number two, we can dismiss him. And number three, we worship King Jesus. The wise men bowed down to worship King Jesus. The only way to show reverence, awe, and honor is to bow and worship the king. You know, bowing is the lowest you can go. When an officer is arresting somebody, they say, put up your hands. Get down on your knees. On your face. It's a burpee. Okay, let me get serious again. And I'm sorry for yelling at y'all this morning. I just get a little passionate about Jesus, right? So don't take it personal if you're a guest here. I really do love you. I do. But there is no defense There's no fighting back in a place of surrender when you bow. I'm not necessarily interested in anyone laying on the ground this morning. But what I'm very interested in is your heart. And you know if you're submitted to the will and authority of God in your life. You know if your heart is surrendered and bowed low before him because you're not defensive. You don't fight back when God asks you to do something. Especially with family coming up for the holidays. Can you love them like Jesus loved them? Even if they don't deserve it? Is your heart bowed low? Are you surrendered? So I ask you this question, what is your response to King Jesus? I know with your words you might say to worship. What about your life? Do you oppose him with your lifestyle? Would you rather do what you want or would you rather do what Jesus wants you to do even if it goes against what you want? It's easy to follow somebody when you agree with them. It's easy to follow somebody when it's easy. What about the difficult things? For me, I didn't grow up in church. I was ignorant to the things of God. I never denied his existence, but I just was ignorant him. I wanted to know about him. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I had Christian friends that went to church, but nobody ever told me about Jesus. He was pursuing them. At 24 years old in my kitchen, after reading the Bible as a set of circumstances, I read the New Testament. And after I read the Bible, I said, Jesus, you're either the biggest lie ever known to mankind or you're real. And if you are, you can speak to me. I want to know you. And I encountered God at 24 years old in my kitchen that day, and he changed my life forever. Forever. He pursued me, and he pursues you today. He pursues the one that can't stop drinking, that's bound up in addiction, the one who is struggling in marriage, the one who has made some big mistakes that they wish they could take back. He came for people like me. He came for people like you. For people like us. He loves us. 
right where you're at. Not because you're lovely. Because he is love. I really want you to know him like I know him. If you knew him, you'd give up everything. You'd sell everything you've got to go buy the field if that's where he was. You'd give up anything. There's nothing more important than his love and his lordship in your life. There's just not. If there was, I would have found it by now. Because I looked. It ain't there. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. He wants to know you. We get to know him by worshiping him, the king for who he is. You know, a king will not share his throne with anyone or anything. King Jesus is no different. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not the king of everything, he's not the king of anything. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, enter the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only few find it. I want to invite the uh, worship team up at this time. You want to know how to enter the narrow gate? worship the king he's a real king that died no other kings that die for you he did I'm concerned that many think they're on the road to life when in reality they're on a road to death they say they believe in God yet don't live it out truth is we either oppose him or we dismiss the teachings of Jesus instead of worshiping Jesus I really want you to know Jesus today let me tell you about our king. He's a suffering servant, the myrrh. He's the high priest, frankincense. And he's the king of kings, the gold. We're going to close a little differently today. I want to describe King Jesus, and then I want us to worship him. Will you stand with me? I don't know where you are today. Maybe you've been dismissing Jesus. Maybe you've been opposing Jesus. But I want to give you a chance to get it right this morning and worship. Let me tell you about our king. The Bible says that he's the king of glory. That he's the king of righteousness. He is the king of the ages. He is the king of all kings and lord of all lords. This king heals the sick. Our king opens blind eyes. He heals deaf ears. He delivers the weak. He restores the broken and hurting. He is the shelter in our greatest time of hurting. He is the light when our world is dark. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the resurrection and the life. His goodness is indescribable. His power incomprehensible. His grace irresistible. His name 
Darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. His name, demons flee. The devil could not stop him. The death could not defeat him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Jesus is our King. Let's worship. I mean, you're in the right spot. This is, this is where God moves in tremendous ways. So I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if the Lord is calling you to a greater level of lordship, a greater level of surrender, I want to pray with you. I not only want to pray with you that I've never made Jesus the king of my life. I've never truly submitted to his will and authority. I want to pray for you, but I also want to pray with those that you know you've been hanging on to something that you've just got to give up. Just surrender. And I'm telling you, the blessing of God comes. So if I can pray with you this morning, can you just lift your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, I see you, thank you, thank you, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, thank you. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. Jesus, you are the king of kings. Just pray with me in your heart here. Jesus, I have been sitting on the throne of my heart. I have been the king of my life. I have not surrendered to you fully, but I want to today. I want to step down off the throne of my heart and lay my crown at your feet. And I'm asking that you would now sit on the throne of my heart, that you would be my king. You would be my Lord. Jesus, I'm asking you would give me the courage to surrender, to submit to you, to bow down and surrender. 
whatever it is that's holding me back from an intimate relationship with you and knowing you. I give you my life. I give you my life. Just say, Jesus, you're the king. You're the king of my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand?